Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. I'm Cesar Hernandez, your host for today. On the latest episode, we're going to discuss Chivas defeating America, the semifinal round of League Mikey's playoffs, Efrain Alvarez potentially looking at the U.S. men's national team, and much more. Help me out today is Tom Marshall. Tom, how you doing, man? Not bad, Cesar. Yeah, all good. Um, can't complain. Raul Jimenez, not very good. Really yeah. uh, pretty yeah. sad, to be honest. And um, yeah. Yeah, obviously, obviously, Maradona as well. It's a bit kind of uh, weird times right now, but but yeah, semi-finals coming up, and um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about them to be honest. Definitely, yeah. You know, Chivas, Chivas, Leon, Cruz Azul, Pumas, the old you know, a Mexico City derby. I think um, really, really nicely set up. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about Raúl Jiménez. A, a fortunate situation happened over the weekend uh, later on the pod, but we also have Adriana Terrazas. Adriana, hope you're doing well. Yeah, hey guys, um, great to be back. And yeah, like Tom said, it's it's been like a weird week in that sense. I mean, we had yeah. Maradona, uh, Raúl Jiménez. There was a terrible crash in Formula One yesterday. Um, so yeah, it's kind, it's been kind of like a like a really weird week in that sense. But yeah, still pretty much excited with with semifinals coming up for Liga Mekis. I think actually more people are, are turning to watch the league now than they did during the season. I don't. I, I think it, it, we were really lucky to ha- have all these teams make it to the Liguilla, um, Chivas particularly. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes through from these semifinals. Yeah, most definitely. So a quick uh, recap for those who don't know. As we achieve us, taking on Leon uh, in one semifinal game, and the other one is Cruz Azul versus Pumas. Um, but before we get into those, let's... Uh, quickly talk about the quarterfinals uh, we could start with leon getting a 2-0 win uh, over puebla therefore getting a 3-2 aggregate win uh, over their side i mean tom i mean with leon i mean looking uh look at them heading into the semifinal round against chivas it looked like in that second game against puebla they were finally i guess i guess best way to put it just playing the way that we we thought they would <laughs> you know they were finally getting that momentum yeah no i mean you know, yeah, I think I think, the, I think there was a bit more intensity from Leon in terms of more than anything. I thought it was you know winning the ball back. I think right. they stopped Puebla kind of creating as much, and I think that was that was the thing. It, it was like in the first leg, Puebla kind of I think they it's almost like a boxing match where you kind of you're on the defensive, but if you know, if you know the fighter's got a really big punch from somewhere, then then you're kind of wary. And it was almost like in the first leg, Leon were. I don't know they, they were wary because Puebla were genuinely having having some kind of success hitting on that counter attack, and then in the second leg, I just thought Leon just learned how to how to counter that and just just winning the ball back. They were just so in, they were so intense and they stopped Puebla getting get many of those um, you know transitions. So um, so yeah, good good for Leon. Uh, I think they did look better. I didn't think they looked. I still don't think the you know the Leon. That when we see them absolutely on the top top game where they're just absolutely breathtaking, um, I don't I don't think they were quite up to that level yet. But um, you know I do think they, they miss Jairo Moreno a lot because he, yeah. I don't know we've talked about it before. For me, he's one of the best players in the league. The penetration he brings down the left is um, is really really important, and and uh, the team's significantly better with him in it. So, you know, that's that's my only concern, really. But, yeah, Leon got the job. The only other point I wanted to make about, you know, this game, um, you know, firstly, I think you got to say well done to Puebla. You know, yeah. they, they, to get that to get that first 
just like lead effects. You know, I know they joke around on Twitter and stuff, and it's one of the probably the funniest Twitter account in Mexican football. But um, but you know, they have got to play. They've got a really really low. They cause problems, and fair play to them. You know, they knocked out Monterrey. I mean, that's easier said than done. But they were a bit lucky. But at the end of the day, that you know, that they, they were in the they were in the playing game. They were there to to you know, they, they kept they kept within certain distance of Monterrey in terms of the score. So, you know, fair play to them. And, and then to, to beat Leon as well. I mean, I thought they did. It was, it was you know, a really good performance from Puebla. Um, but yeah, the other point I was going to make is it's like just comparing those two. Um, I know Puebla beat Leon at home and they beat Monterrey away. But um, I don't know. That's why I prefer the 180 minutes, to be honest. I mean, I yeah. understand, you know, I understand the the playing game. You got one leg, and you know I know the MLS playoffs now are one game. But I personally way prefer 180 minutes, where after a long regular season, the you, if you are the better team, like Leonis, definitely a better team than Puebla, that you do do have the opportunity to kind of come back in the second leg. Um, and and you know I think that's what Puebla did. I mean that's what Leon did. We saw, we you know we saw him kind of just you know flick that switch in a way and just like just exert the the the, the superior quality that they've got um and and you know I'm, I'm happy to see them go through to be honest because you know i think this this you know leon chivas game that we're going to talk about is is going to be really good um i do i do think i don't think it's going to be a great series at the very least we get more soccer i'm always a fan of that but <laughs> uh, you're, 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 exactly and, yeah. and, and also also from a tv point of view um, I don't think people really think about it, but I don't know, like going back to the MLS players where you've only got that one game, it's like there's only, you know, maybe, maybe it's not quite as big in terms of the TV. They want more entertainment, excitement rather than, but whereas if you get Mexico and, you know, Adrian, I don't know, like working, working into the end, I mean, if you get two teams that you're the broadcast partner with and then they've got, it's you a know, good day. You know, it's a really, really good day. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think of an example. I think I think it, I think in the the other semi, no, Pumas and Cruz Azul are both Turi, yep. and so yeah, so you've yeah. got two you've got two games there. So you've got two build-ups. You've got two chances to you know sell the commercials and 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 you know obviously make your money. And I think that um, I don't know from the business side, I think that's important as well. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, no. I think that's an excellent point to bring up because it's just especially you know in in 2020. You know, and especially when a lot of the you know, TV companies are trying to make up for, I guess you could say, or compensate for lost time. Like, it makes sense why, you know, they'd potentially get excited about this. But I think it's a, it's a win-win for for all involved, you know, when you have these two legs. But, I mean, other than it to you, just like kind of looking back what's happening on the field. I mean, your your your, your thoughts on Leon, you know, as they're, as, as they're heading into this uh, semifinal. Because, yeah, I mean, like Tom said, I mean, just after an early on goal, I mean, well, I just didn't know how to respond to them. I, just, I feel like that's, that's how I saw it. Out. Okay, just an ambulance is going by my house. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> this is just what happens. Um, and then the Camotes guy is going to come in like in 15 minutes or so. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought we were all surprised after the first leg just seeing Leon being beaten by Puebla, and especially considering that we had all these other teams that had an extra game for the repechaje, which was, which, which was quite in- interesting, to be honest. I mean, I think we were all kind of like skeptical when we said, oh, no, we're getting a repechaje. What's that about? And we, there's a possibility of us having a team that's like 12th place and could be a cha- Liga MX champion this season. But I, I thought it was quite interesting. I mean, and now like looking forward and just seeing that even Chivas made it through the semifinals and they qualified seventh place and they had to play that extra game. 
But I mean, Leon, like looking back what, what what they did, I think they had three friendlies before going into the quarterfinals, which was, I, I mean, it just goes to show that despite the fact that some teams actually think it's better to have that rest time just before playing quarterfinals, they just said, no, we have to keep it up. We have to keep our rhythm. Um, and they played, I think it was three friendlies before uh, facing Puebla. Still, I mean, Leon seems like the rival that everyone wants to beat now. I mean, they do seem as as favorites to win the, the Liga MX Championship, or at least to make it through to the final, I think. Um, so it, it was nice to see that also because I think Nacho Ambriz sometimes doesn't, doesn't get as much credit as some other Mexican coaches do in the league. Yeah. I mean, usually you think about the Mexican coach and everyone will say, oh, it's Miguel Herrera. But if you look at what Nacho Ambriz has done um, with the squad, not only winning, but they really do play pretty well. I mean, that, that first leg against Puebla was just surprising. And it's just one of those things that happens when you get an early goal. But I mean, you look at Leon, and they're really attractive game to attractive team to see. So I was I was really happy to see them make it through because it is kind of also a great result after seeing them being so strong during the regular season. So I I do think they're going to be probably uh, finalists for this what are the end of 2020 uh, season. Most definitely, like yeah, I like that you're giving some credit there to Ambiz because I mean he is I feel like he is you know worthy of some more recognition. I've brought this up a few times. Remember. I want to say, I would say it was like a few years ago um, when we were recording something uh, on this pod, you know, and we we're asking everybody about like, you know, who are some potential contenders for, you know, to be the next manager of the Mexican national team. Ever Jason Markwitz put down, uh, you know, Nacho Ambiz, ever thinking, I was like, there's no way that he thinks that that guy has the caliber to be a national team head coach. And I'm not saying that now that that he is at the caliber of being a national team head coach. But you could see you know, why maybe he's a little underrated, why he should be given a little bit more credit. And just, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just been incredible to see what he's been doing you know, in, in recent seasons. So credit to him. And, and, and also, how much should we really, I don't know, how much should we, should we really believe the reports that he could potentially go to Europe? I don't know, Tom, have you read those? Have you read those reports that he could, he could potentially go to Europe? Yeah, I mean, I think he said that, um, I don't know, there was mixed messages because he said his contract was up at the end of this this tournament and now now he's kind of said, no, it's the, the end of the next one. So, yeah, he's, I mean, he's on record 100%. He's giving interviews saying he wants to go to Europe and he'll go to a second division club. Like, he's he's adamant about it. Um, he wants the Mexican national team as well. I mean, he's, he's basically on record saying that's where he sees his future. And, um, and yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be really interesting. The, the other rumor is that maybe Monterrey will, will hire somebody for uh, the next season, and mm-hmm. then then he kind of slides in there. Um, I, I I just can't see two Liga MX clubs making that much of a mid-term decision, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. waiting like six months to wait for for one for a manager to finish. I mean, I just can't imagine it. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, what we forget about Nacho Ambriz is he's lived in Europe for, what, seven, eight, nine years, um, you know, as Aguirre's assistant over there. Um, you know, I think his kids went to school in, in Spain as well. Um, you know, this is a guy who worked with Sergio Aguero. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked with Fernando Torres. Um, and so, yeah, he, I mean, he does have experience over there. It's just where can he open the door? But I know he's got an agent kind of working on it, working on trying to, trying to get him a job over there. So... So yeah, no, we'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, it would be great to have know, a Mexican about... coach over there again. Like just well, thinking how much we've criticized coaches for not taking that leap and not seeking yeah. like other teams. It would be amazing to have him do that. Yeah, for sure. And speaking to yeah, Fernando Navarro, it must have been a month ago now. But you know, one of the things he said about Ambris was that 
look, this guy, what he does, he, he, he gets the maximum potential out of the players. Um, you know, he doesn't come in with this fixed idea of, you know, this is how we're going to play, this is what you're going to do. He's like, if he sees that, you know, for example, Navarro, who loves to go forward. And so he's kind of restructured the team to a degree and, and made sure that everybody knows the roles in the team so that he can do that. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, um, like, you know, the holding midfielder will drop back, you know, the, 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 the right centre-back will push out wide to make sure that the, the right-back spot is covered. Um, you know, there's kind of mechanisms that they use when they lose the ball, so that so that they aren't caught out. Because in theory, if you're throwing your right back in ta- in like an attacking midfield position, then you should be all over the place on the you know on the transition. And you know, maybe against Pueblo, we did see that a little bit. But um, but yeah, no, it's really interesting. I mean, you know, yeah. I think a lot of what Leon do is trying to trying to get Angel Mena one on one with defenders because he's just so yeah. good. Um, and I think it's getting getting Luis Montes on the ball with the play in front of him. So when he gets the ball, there's movement, there's plenty of people, and and obviously he's just a genius at picking those passes. So um, so yeah, no, it's it's a fascinating team. And um, yeah, like like you said, Adriana, I'd, I'd love it. I'd love to see him over there in Europe to just see to see what he can do. And you know, who who knows? Maybe he is the next Mexico manager. But we know what we know what you know the Mexican press is like even though we're part of it um, <laughs> if he doesn't win that title then there's always going to be oh what's he won what's he won he's yeah. not won anything and is it's that like, what it is like, is that what it is is it just because like because he doesn't have a league of Mexico and uh, a CCL title with America and then is, was there anything else as a manager that he's won other than that I, I'm not. No, I think I'm, I think that's the only. Way. I think some fans like can't forgive him for not winning anything else with America. Mostly, maybe it's not the yeah. fact that he hasn't won Liga MX, but that he didn't do it with America. I think many fans like resent that. So I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I still like I look at the squad, and I mean, remember Angel Mena um, not being that amazing player when he was in Cruz Azul, and then coming in and just being amazing in León. Pedro Aquino had some disciplinary issues, um, I think, before joining the team as well. So. Um, I mean, I, I'd give him credit for that. I mean, again, it, 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 it's not one of the biggest teams. It's not America. It's not Chivas. But just the way they play, I think, just is a lot, is a lot of credit to how, how he's managed the, the entire squad. Yeah, yeah I mean, I- even even someone like Barrero. I mean, there's big question marks about yeah. him after Atlas, and I think he mm-hmm. went to Pachuca after that. Yeah. You know, there was a lot, there's a lot of players that even Navarro, it's like Navarro was never considered, you know, but he's, he's absolutely maximized him and... Um, just trying to think, you know, he's brought, yeah. you know, Ivan Rodriguez, um, yeah. you know, and at the same time, just at the same time is he's, he's lost players. I mean, this isn't a club that's gone out and gone and spent loads of money to put together this super yeah. team, like, yeah. for example, Tigres, you know, um, this is they've lost Macias, they've lost Elias Hernandez, they've lost, um, I'm trying to think now who else, they've lost uh, Ruben Sambuesa, who was a, yeah. who was a big player. Um, you know, this is a team that has, you know, he's had to kind of, replace replace these players and and think of solutions when they go i mean you know sometimes playing two up front for example this season or, or you know with that with that salsa i mean gigliotti i mean i don't know if i've got a question mark about leon it's like is gigliotti the the, the guy up front you know um i don't know i mean if, i think if you put Macias or if you put one of the league where top strikers in this leon team then i'd, I'd be much more confident you know going into the you know the business end of the the playoffs now yeah, and that's the thing is just going forward. I mean, I think I think Ambris, if he could potentially get that title, you know, that gain him a lot more respect. But standing in the way of that in the semis are Chivas, and they're looking pretty good. I mean, we got. I feel like we got to talk about them here now that it. I mean, I feel like 
can can Chivas just rely on golazos from Chicote? There, there you go. Just you know, a couple more golazos this week, a couple <laughs> more golazos next week. Boom, title, right? That's all that that's all that needs to happen, right? It's 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 so weird <laughs> because I I was trying to actually remember the last time we had a, a not a decent striker. I think we've had several, but just a striker that has been really consistent throughout the season, like more than eight goals. And if it's not for Pulido, who by the way had I mean several penalty kicks and he was criticized for that, but I mean still goals. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's it's a position that we've kind of struggled to find someone that has lasted several years that we can kind of rely on. I mean, I remember when they when they bought Ronaldo Cisneros coming in as Santos U20, U17 champion, and I actually paid a like, huge amount of money for him. And now they had, they had to send him to the U20 team with Chivas because he just wasn't ready. I mean, you brought Alexis Vega, you brought Isaac Lizuela, you, you had to loan Macias, bring him back. He's not the same as Leon as he was in Leon. So it is something that we struggle with. So when you have someone like Calderon come in with those goals, I mean, you obviously appreciate it, not only because they were amazing goals, but because you look over at, at, at our offense and you're like, it's not bad, but it, sometimes they're there. We've had tons of injuries. We've had lots of players test positive for COVID. One player tested positive today, we, and we're just expecting to see who it is. I mean, half of the team has already been um, has already tested positive. So um, it, it's it's difficult when you, when you think about that particular position for Chivas, and just seeing though it's, it's a Mexican-only team, you usually have less options than everybody else. I mean, despite the fact that some other teams, eh, occasionally they'll have that Mexican striker, but it's not something like that really like grows on trees. You know, you, you can just find anywhere. I mean, other than Henry Martin, it's it's really quite difficult to have someone you could actually rely on. I mean, it was really telling that they they started Oribe in the game. I mean, that that's what it is. I mean, it's just it's just really telling that. You yeah, but he's played who, like like less than an hour, I think, or something. I mean, it, it, like <laughs> he only has terrible. one goal with Chivas so far in Liga yeah. Mexis, right? I think he only has one goal so far. Yeah. Yeah, but it comes back. I mean, I was remembering back to like when Jaed Borghetti went to Chivas and Miguel Saban, and on, on then you, you kind of remember all these names, like Rafa Marquez Lugo, who was amazing, but then had the injury and just didn't come back. And it's like. It, it's really a problem. It's it's something you're struggling with, and you look over at the U20 side, and all of, yeah, you have like really interesting players, but something happens at the senior team level that it, it's like, where are they? <laughs> yeah, but the but here's the thing though, they got the job done over two. Oh, like, yeah, if, we're, yeah. if, we're, if we're talking about like, if I mean, if we're talking about, I, I don't mind know. if it's Gudino scoring as long as as long as they do. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I mean, but, but looking forward, it is something you're like, oh man, it's Leon. I mean, like, what are the probabilities of Calderon getting another golazo? Um, they're gonna know that they have. So it 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 is something. Um, like as a fan, I, I kind of struggle. I'm like, we have to fix this this problem for next season. Yeah, Tom. Tom, your thoughts? Because I feel like, I mean, if we're talking about managers that need to be given a little bit more credit. I mean, maybe it's time for you know some skeptical Chivas fans to give Vucetich some more credit now, right? Yeah, no, he's made some. He's made some, what seem like crazy decisions, and and he has taken quite a lot of criticism. But I think I think against America, his team was set up really well. Um, I think I think once you once you're ahead, I think someone like Vucetic, you know, he just knew how to take advantage. He wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna go go crazy sending loads of players forward. And you know, at the end of the day, he was a good counter attacking team. I mean, yeah. if you've got you know Brizuela, Antuna. And Angulo all in the all you know you know behind a central striker, then you know you, I don't know that you just well set up and and you know I think I think um, Ed, Eduardo Torres came in no was it Torres what's it called um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah came in, came, yeah came, came into into oh, midfield alongside Edson. Edson ah yeah yeah 
um, sometimes like, I can never tell if you want if they want their first two names or if it's like the middle middle name, but it's Torres. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. his name's Alan, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but then it's like yeah, it's always uh, it's always a bit difficult. But yeah, I mean, bringing him in to kind of just shore up the midfield a little bit alongside um, alongside Molina, um, I, th- I thought was you know. I don't know. I mean, it was it's crazy decision on paper because you're throwing a 20 year old kid in there, in a classical national in the Azteca. Um, but I, I did think it, it gave him a little bit of extra security, kind of in front of the defense. And and like I said, I think from there, you know, from that line onwards, you've got you've got some really good counter attacking players. I thought Oribe Peralta played really well. I mean, yeah. you know, I think he, he did the dirty work, and it's what he's always done in his career. It's not necessarily the goals with Peralta. It's the way he works, the way he hurries, hassles, the way he occupies the defense. Um, he doesn't give him a second, and 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 also the way the, the with his back to goal, I thought he held the ball up really well. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a stretch so, to say he got this. It was a beautiful assist for the first goal, but he helped create it. Like he helped create yeah. that, that first yeah. goal. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought it was a big performance from Peralta, but um, yeah, and 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 obviously, you know, you, you get a bit of luck, and you know, people aren't going to like that, but you know, if you score three goals and they're all absolute screamers from one player <laughs> from outside the area, I mean, you just not that's not going to that's not going to repeat itself. But then, you know, Molina had a great header, um, you know, in in the first half that I think he he, sh- he probably should have put in, and um, and yeah, I mean, I I think Chivas. Have got a massive boost of confidence from that game um, to, to take into the semi-final. I would say though, from the American perspective, I think they had 14 shots on goal over the two legs. I think it was seven and seven in each of the games. Yeah. So they'll be really disappointed. And I felt America's finishing. I mean, looking on the on the kind of expected goals, I think America were just were just about heading the first leg, and then in the second by quite a bit. I can't remember the numbers now, but um, so it does it does tell you America did fail to convert the chances. They had, they had yeah. some really good chances. I thought Godinho as well in net. I thought he looked really assured. I think he's growing into that position and, you know, just at the right time as well. Um, Sepulveda as well, I thought had a good series. Mier in, in centre-back. Both the full-backs, I mean, I don't know, Chivas now, they've got they've got some players on form. Um, and, and obviously Antuna's looking like a real handful. Um, and it's just that, that striker position you'd like right now. Yeah. For you know, Peralta, did, I think did well, but you'd you'd like Macias to come back and just just hit the ground running. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure if he's going to be do be able to do that given how long he's gone out. But um, but yeah, no, we'll, we'll we'll see. And and yeah, it was. I mean, it was a. Uh, that's not. I don't want to belittle Calderon's goals either, because you know he just thought chinga su madre and and they just went in. You know what I mean? It was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a life philosophy now. You know, what I mean? I think it's, um, it's spreading across across the Chivas nation. Um, you know, that's just what you see from it. You know, an opportunity in life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you see an opportunity in life, and you think, you know, I love it. Yeah. Let's not overthink it and just do it. Have a shot in life. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, you know, he's, he's introduced a new life philosophy to uh, to the Mexican public and. Um, but yeah, no, seriously though, that third goal, uh, you know, the the second one on in the Azteca was absolutely brilliant. I yeah, mean, I don't know, it was just one of those aesthetically pleasing goals because it was rising, it was rising, it was rising, and you thought, yeah, it's going over, and then it just kind of dips, loops at the end. Ochoa had absolutely no chance, and then one of those that just underside of the bar drops, drops behind the line, and 
it's just like, uh, yeah, what a goal. I mean, definitely, I just enjoyed, really enjoyed that one. And, um, and yeah, what a performance from Calderon. He's been criticised. He's not had a great season. You know, it feels like Vucic doesn't trust him at left-back. It felt like Tenor doesn't trust him at left-back. Suddenly, he's now got this position kind of on the wing, and it's you know it's his now. So I think he's a he's an absolutely really good, really good player. I'm not sure about kind of mentally how um, how great he is, but um, but yeah, certainly uh, certainly made his impact. And 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 you know that was a famous performance that'll go down in classical yeah. national history. Um, and 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 three absolutely beautiful goals. According to SoFIFA.com, uh, which gives uh, some ratings on uh, FIFA 21, apparently uh, Chicote's uh, rating for long shots is uh, it's a 33 out of 100. So maybe uh, FIFA's got to got to update that at some point soon. <laughs> <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> just a bit. But I mean, I mean, but just to, I mean, just to kind of like wrap things up with Chivas. Land, I mean, I feel like I feel like we got to give Chivas a fighting chance here. I mean, yeah, I mean. Zaldivar might be un- unavailable. Angulo, if I'm reading this correctly, might be unavailable. I mean, Macias Vega, they might be ready to return as well. But I don't know. I-, I-, I feel like in the end, I think Leon is going to win this series. But I think you just definitely can't, you know, count Chivas out at all. You know, I-, I could potentially maybe even see this as a draw. You know, maybe even be like a, a two to two draw. I think it's going to be a fun one. But I, I think you got to give him a fighting chance, right, Adriana? Yeah, I mean, after what they showed against America, I was, I mean, yeah, it was a terrible game for America, but still, I mean, the pressure of playing against them, um, I think everyone was, was expecting him to switch jerseys again at the end of the game and see what was going to go on. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was um, but still, I mean, it, 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 it's like seeing everything Chivas has been through through this season. I mean, even Busetich was out because he tested positive. Again, all the injuries and everything. Um, it just seemed as though mentally America might be a little bit stronger coming into the game. Like, again, I mean, Chivas played an extra game in, in the repechaje. So, I mean, I, I, I would have never thought that they would have been in America the way they did. I mean, they, they could have beat them, yeah, but not the way they did. I mean, it just didn't seem that way, despite the fact that, yeah, America, again, had a terrible, terrible game. I think it was probably America's worst game in a really long time. But against Leon, I mean, it, it just depends. I mean... Whenever we know what player did test positive, how that could impact their starting 11, if he'll be back for the away game, which I don't think so. Um, and just seeing, again, all these changes that Vuzatich will have to do with his starting 11. I mean, if we if we remember, I think they went through in the regular season. I mean, we we had problems with the starting goalkeeper again. We didn't know if it was Tonio Rodriguez, Gudinho. I mean, just those terrible mistakes that they had, one of them against Toluca. So I like looking at what they did against America. Yeah, I think I think they could beat Leon. It does seem unlikely because Leon has been so amazing and a lot stronger. I think that even America was throughout the season. But if they play to their strengths, if they come out playing the same way they did against America, and yeah, maybe get that lucky, the really lucky golazo again, or just some really early goal. I mean, it could happen. They do seem like they have a lot more possibilities now than ever. But it does. I, I think it's. Quite difficult. I do think Leon is again the rival to beat in, in the Liga. Tom, your thoughts? I'm, I've given him a chance in the, in the first leg, maybe for a draw, but o- overall, I, I'm not entirely sure giving Leon an, an advantage here. But I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think, I think I went for Leon for the title. Um, you know, ahead of the Liga, and you know, yeah, I back him to to get past Chivas. Um, I think that Chivas. I think it, I think it's probably going to be tight, to be honest. Because because of what you guys were saying, I, I think the thing with Vucic is is this kind of I don't know. There's this kind of idea that really big clubs should 
always always attack. You know, and I think even with Chivas, there's been that kind of idea. And Busitic just isn't going to buy into it. You know, and, and in some though kind of I would prefer Chivas to, to have, you know, considering they're all they're all Mexican team, considering the, the sense of nationalism that goes that goes with Chivas, I, I would I would prefer them to, to play like Leon do, to be honest. <laughs> but um but in terms of, you know, how how are they gonna how are they gonna win, how are they gonna get to the final, then I think a pragmatic approach is is the best way. And Vucicic has got no problem doing that. You know, we saw that against America. You know, Chivas had less possession in both the games against Club America, both in both legs of the quarterfinals. And I'm expecting the same thing. I'm expecting Chivas really low block. I think they will, they will have learned a lot of stuff from from Puebla. You know, because Puebla caused caused problems. And I think the difference with Chivas is Chivas have more more quality in the final third. And so. Leon have got to be aware. I just think Leon have got will be able to step it up. I, I still think they've got more than they showed against Puebla. Um, I think that after that long break that they had, I know you know Adriana mentioned there that they had, but you know it's not quite the same. It's not quite the same intensity. And I think I think with two games behind them now, I think I think I expect Leon to put on a put on a performance and and overcome Chivas over the over the two legs. All right. Well, let's look ahead to Cruz Azul versus Pumas. I mean, I mean, Adrian, your your, your thoughts on this? Are, are Pumas just gonna they're gonna get a one nothing win and then a zero zero draw <laughs> and then like another zero zero draw? Because it just it just feels pretty. I mean, you gotta you gotta praise them. I mean, it was a really good defensive performance, you know, from them against Pachuca. I mean, Pachuca also, I guess you could say, also did a very good defensive performance. But it's just like boom. I mean, it's just I don't want to say it's predictable, but they're just. I mean. It's it's a little unfortunate because it might not be the most exciting for me or for other fans, but they're getting the job done, right? Yeah, I mean, I think what we regret the most is after what we saw, not only for Pumas, but hours later when we saw Cruz Azul against Tigres, it was like, oh man, these guys are going to face each other. Look at the game, like the second <laughs> yeah. leg we just saw. I mean, Pumas 0-0 against Pachuca, despite being a home game, despite having that advantage of playing at, at noon, which they absolutely adore for some reason. Um, um, and then having Cruz Azul, yeah, you had like a really comfortable advantage, but still, I mean, you were also playing at home. We were expecting you to just be that really a little bit more, um, I don't know, like like goal-driven team. And it, it just seemed as though it wasn't like that Tigres was playing brilliantly anyway. It was just Cruz Azul kind of being comfortably just defending the advantage they got from the first leg. So I really hope it's not. I mean, I really wish that both teams showed the better version that, that we saw. I mean, that amazing Cruz Azul we saw during the first half of the regular season Pumas being that really amazing team during the second half of the season. But it just seems as though one of those coaches is going to really like disappoint us. <laughs> I don't know which one because they both could do it so easily. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just seemed as though yesterday Sivoli was just like defending his advantage and being kind of like like conservative and just being like, oh, we're, 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 we're okay. I mean, we have a really good advantage and let's just make it through the semifinals. Um, I, I I expect Pumas to be a little bit more aggressive for some reason. I think they have the oh, offense okay. to actually do it. I, I think with Dinen, Juan Carlos Gonzalez, um, it's it's it, they're pro- they've proven to be a really lethal offense if they're playing that way. I mean, um, I, I, I mean even fans of Pumas are kind of worried because there's tons of rumors about Gonzalez leaving to Tigres at the end of the season. Dinen also leaving because the club apparently needs money and stuff like that. So. 
I I think that they have more to show than Cruz Azul. I think they'll be more willing to look to start the game off like that. So let's see. It'll be really interesting. I mean, I thought Pumas was going to have that second leg uh, at home again at noon. Um, they're going to play, around, I think it's around 6 on Sunday. Yeah. So a little different for, for Pumas. Um, despite the fact that I think they're kind of used to it, I, players, I'm really sure they appreciate the fact of not having that, that midday sun like torching them like the entire game. So, I don't know, I'm kind of leaning more towards Pumas being that more entertaining team um, for this match. I mean, I'm hoping so as well, because, I mean, yeah, I think you could also make the argument that on the other end of the field, you know, Cavacita Rodriguez, after his last performance, maybe he's due for a a big performance as well. Maybe this will be a really high-scoring game, maybe it's really exciting, but honestly, I... I, I doubt it. <laughs> you know, I see this is going to be a, a one-to-one match. I mean, one-to-one match. I mean, at least in the first leg. I mean, just, just because Cruz Azul have been a little hit and miss in recent weeks. And if there's one thing we know that Bumas know how to do well, it's how to focus on defense. And, uh, you know, sit, sit, I'm not going to say sit back, but just, you know, you know, and I'm not going to say rely on their goalkeepers because, yeah, I mean, um, oh, I can't believe I forgot. Which, by the way, has been amazing. I mean, looking yeah. at Julio Gonzalez just covering for Talavera, I mean. He did a great job. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that was, when he was at Santos, I mean, he learned from Marchesin, he learned from Osvaldo Sanchez, he was second goalkeeper in Pumas, and all of a sudden he's covering for, for Talavera, and he's doing really well. So I, I was quite pleased. I, I like those, like, underdog stories where, like, some other, like, some player has to come in because the starting lineup had to be changed or there was an injury or someone tested positive. So I'm really happy that happened. I mean, obviously, as soon as Talavera is available, which seems that it will be this week, you know, yeah. <laughs> he'll be benched again. But it's really interesting because that's when other teams start looking into those second goalkeepers and thinking, hey, I mean, we, we could start this guy. Why would he want to be second goalkeeper for Pumas when he can start off with, with us? So um, I, I thought that was really interesting. But again, we're going to have Talavera face off against Corona, which will also probably be a really great duel between those two goalkeepers. So let's see what happens. No, that's a very, very good point. But uh, Tom, your, your thoughts on this one? Am I being a little too pessimistic by saying that I... I think it's going to be one-to-one, and then Pumas are going to get like a one-nothing win in the second leg. But and I, I, you think it's also going to be a very close one, or maybe we are due for a little more fireworks when you consider Gavacita, when you consider Dineno, when you consider uh, Carlos Gonzalez. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what happened with Cruz Azul especially was, was they played Tigres, and I think you got to respect Tigres. you got to respect how they play and and you know, how they, they tend to dominate possession against you. And, and you know, to be fair to Cruz Azul, they, they, they had the plan in place to kind of neutralise them and, and, and yeah. you know, to, to win quite convincingly in the series in, in the end. I mean, you know, I know Tigres won that game, but, you know, there was you didn't really get this that they were in trouble that last kind of 15 minutes. Um, I would say that I think Talavera coming back is big. I mean, I know yeah. Julio Gonzalez has done well, but... I don't know. I, I just felt that Pumas' defense against Pachuca. I mean, I thought I'll tell you something. If if Pumas play the way they did that first half against Pachuca, then they're not they're not going forward against Cruz Azul. Like, forget it. Sure. Like yeah, that sure. that first half for Pumas has to be a warning, and it's like you're not going to get away with it. Pachuca, I thought, we played really really well that first half, and they were lucky not to not to go in at halftime one or two zero ahead. Um, and 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 Pumas, to be fair, after the break, they kind of turned it around they got themselves together you know and they came with that with the zero zero but um but yeah no i i don't think i don't think it's going to be all all that kind of boring i think it's a it's a derby as well um i think they're, they're both gonna they're gonna go out go at each other you know don't get me wrong boomers aren't going to suddenly employ a high press you know 
it's going to be the, the the same like kind of medium press that they've employed you know the, that intense kind of like as soon as you get close to our half then we're going to go after you and um and yeah and, and about Dineno and Carlos Gonzalez yeah I mean I think they are a really dangerous partnership I think we've said it on the podcast throughout the season but yeah. they've not done great of, of late and I mean I think they need the, you know, now you look at the, potentially the last four games of the season. I think those two guys need to step up. You know, they need to they, they, they need to be getting on those crosses like they were doing earlier in the season. Um, so, so yeah, and and from Cruz Azul's point of view, yeah, I mean, you know, is twenty twenty the year? I mean, it's a big <laughs> question. And one of my friends, Thomas. Um, French guy the other day, he's like, you know, he lived in Mexico for a while and now he's gone back and he was just like, oh yeah, I was checking out the Liguilla and I was like, I saw Cruz Azul in the semi-finals and he was like, it could be that year, couldn't it? It's 2020. Maybe it is. <laughs> and it was kind of just all made sense. So, um, so yeah, no, it, it's going to, it's going to be, uh, you know, I'm excited about this one as well. I think two, two clubs with, um, you know, they really could do with a title, um, you know, especially obviously Cruz Azul, but but even Pumas, they've been they've been criticised fiercely, and if they can get it together um, with this team that isn't kind of expensively put together um, by any means, then I think it'll be uh, obviously it'll be massive for the club. It's just with it, with this game especially, it's a real real shame there's no crowd because you know the Mexico City derby, and I don't know, it would have been amazing at the Stadio um, Olimpico Universitario, and then and then in, in the Azteca, it would have been absolutely superb, but. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I think I'd give the edge just about to Cruz Azul, to be honest, um, oh, given what okay. we saw in the in, on the in the quarterfinals. Um, you know, I, I, I thought Pumas weren't that good. You know, even in the first leg, to be honest, I didn't think they were. I thought they were. You know, they've done they've done what they've done all season. They're just kind of grinding out results. You have to respect it. They're definitely going to be difficult to beat. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, Cesar, so, so there you look at kind of you know Jonathan Rodriguez and. I don't know. You just think at some point, if they give up those kind of chances like they did against Pachuca, a striker like that is gonna, he's gonna kill you. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna score the goals. Yeah. Other than any other uh, final thoughts on uh, Cruz Azul versus Pumas? I just hope that what what we saw yesterday, we just don't see again in the Liga, <laughs> whether it's semifinals or the final. Like, I I really expect the teams to be more more aggressive. So. Um, I'm leaning more actually towards Leon facing Pumas, but yeah, it, it depends. Like Tom said, if they learn from their mistakes and actually re- become that team that was a little bit better during the regular season. All right, well, let's uh, move on. Let's uh, talk about the Mexicans abroad, and we gotta bring up. I mean, like Tom mentioned, I mean, we gotta we gotta bring up some unfortunate news regarding Real Jimenez. So, in case you missed it, uh, early on in a game against Arsenal over the weekend, uh, he clashed heads uh, with David Luiz. Uh, he was knocked out and then sent directly to a hospital. Um, according to Wolves, he went underwent uh, an operation. Now is now going to be, uh, uh, according to them, under observation for a few days. I mean, Tom, this is just—I mean, honestly, I mean, like from a personal perspective, it was just incredibly sad for me. I mean, I honestly felt pretty anxious for for, for most of the day when I saw the news. But just, I mean, it was just—it was just extremely disappointing to see to, to see that from that happened to Jimenez. Yeah, I mean, you think about his girlfriend and, you know, they're very active on social media and he's just, you know, he's just become a father and, I don't know, you know, you just like, you think of like how they're going to react to it and you're seeing the pictures and even you're kind of like, oh my God, and, you know, you just get this kind of something running through you, just like kind of sadness yeah. and anxiety, you know? 
and and then just put put yourself in the shoes of the family members watching on and it's just like it's just absolutely awful um and yeah i mean i mean i think it's been amazing to see you know people in mexican football you know chiva sending out a message you know people all over the english game as well you know all over the world basically sending these sending messages and i don't know i think it shows you know what a respected figure raul jimenez is um great you know you know because at the end of the day it's like you know i've i've I've, i once did a, a big feature on raul jimenez and there's been other big features on him and it's like i felt like they're never absolutely amazing and never absolutely amazing i felt because and his interviews are never absolutely amazing because he's just a nice guy <laughs> you know what i mean it's yeah. like yeah it's like there's yeah. nothing kind of like you know slightly wrong or kind of you know you know he didn't get playing time as much as atletico madrid at benfica you know but but there's never like he just seems like a generally nice person who likes walking his dogs around you know the east midlands in in england that he loves you know he loves playing he loves training he loves coming to play with Mexico, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously thoughts with with him and his family, and just like got to wish him, you know, a, a good recovery. I think first of all, you know, from his personal point of view, and then obviously secondary is is then his career, you know, um, because it was it was it just it did look that bad, and I don't know, I, I just don't think people should speculate either, because you know, like that wolf statement said, you know, we're going to need a few days. He's going to stay under observation for a few days and i think you know it's probably best to wait and see what what kind of doctors say rather than kind of i don't know rather than rather than saying this and that about what might happen kind of further down the line yeah and i mean it was nice to see him tweet out you know saying thanks for your support messages i'll be under observation i hope to return to the pitch soon so yeah like tom said there obviously you want him you know, first and foremost is his own like personal health. And then after that, you know, hopefully he can return to the, to the field, you know, safely too. I mean, this is the, it's the last thing you want to rush. I mean, I know he's probably, you know, the top Mexican player out there. We love to watch him play, but at the same time, you don't want it to be rushed. You, I mean, what's most important is his safety, you know? So really, really hoping that um, he's safe and he eventually comes back to, uh, to the field. But yeah, fingers crossed that uh, Raul Jimenez uh, recovers soon. Um, looking at the Mexicans abroad, uh, really quickly, got to mention uh, Hector Herrera. Uh, he's back to training after an injury. Um, so he could potentially play Champions League soccer for Atleti tomorrow versus Bayern Munich. And I don't know about the two of you, but it seems like sometimes these these Champions League games just sneak up on me. And I'll check my phone and I'll, and I'll be like, oh, wait, you have not only uh, Atri like potentially taking on Bayern Munich tomorrow, but... You have Porto and Tecatito taking on Man City. You have Ajax and hopefully Edson Alvarez taking on Liverpool <laughs> tomorrow as well. I mean, I know, your, your thoughts. I mean, it, it's it's kind of fast because our, our minds are just so like overwhelmed. We're just like, oh, we're paying attention to Liga Mekis. Of course, you're keeping a close eye on Liga Mekis Femenil. And then, you know, take, keep it on the yeah, playoff. Like, and suddenly like, there's Champions like League. like everywhere. <laughs> and then there's Champions League tomorrow. <laughs> I know. I mean, if you add, I mean, sadly enough, we don't have many Mexicans um, still in MLS, but we were like looking at MLS as well. And it, it was just like all of a sudden everything was happening. But I, um, especially because we have Champions League, I think it's three weeks in a row or something like that. Something like weird things that we're not kind of used to. I mean, we're all looking forward and like, oh, we might even see Cristiano face Messi this time because they, uh, Cristiano wasn't available for the first game. And I mean, yeah, it's totally crazy. Um, regarding Ache, I mean, it, 
I, I really hope that he comes back somehow to to the level that we all thought he could bring to Atletico Madrid. It's not that he doesn't have it. It's just that he hasn't been in that, in that starting lineup as much as we'd want to. So hopefully he'll take advantage of any changes that could happen with the starting lineup. I mean, it really is a really important game for Atletico and Madrid. Not tons of pressure for them. But, I mean, what we've seen whenever he does get minutes or even a starting lineup in, in, in position, it, I mean, you kind of think, wow, why isn't he playing more often? Why isn't he yeah. getting a little bit more trust from Ramsey Simeone? But, I mean, it was just one of the risks I think he was willing to take when he left Porto. I mean, he just knew the competition was going to be that much more intense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, looking forward to having to seeing him tomorrow. He wasn't in the in the call for, for tomorrow's game. Tecatito, I mean, I think the only thing we're getting for Tecatito is the fact that he doesn't seem to want to leave Porto anytime soon. Because, I mean, every time we see him, he has amazing assists. He'll get an occasional goal. He has amazing uh, performances just probably every week with Porto. So I think it's reaching a point where we're kind of regretting not seeing him being challenged the way Hector Herrera was willing to just leave at Porto and just leave that comfortable position and get more minutes in somewhere else. So that's the only thing I kind of regret with, with Tecatita every time. I'm like, I'm really happy he's doing well, but I'd like to see him take on any other challenge. So I don't know. Let, let's see what happens um, regarding them with, with activity this week in Champions League. Well, that'll be that'll be quite the challenge against Man City. I'm sure he'll be yeah. playing as almost like a, <laughs> as a wing back. But Tom, your thoughts thoughts on any of the midweek uh, European games? We also have uh, Chucky and Napoli uh, taking on AZ Alkmaar uh, in the Europa League. Um, and obviously, I sometimes like to keep an eye on Lil uh, just because maybe Pizzuto could potentially make his debut. And I was reading that Eric Gutierrez is, is back to training. So, I mean, there are no guarantees he's going to play this week. I mean, it might be a while, but maybe he can get some minutes as well. But thoughts, uh, your, your, your thoughts on uh, Champions League Europa League involving uh, the Mexicans abroad? Yeah, yeah just hope they, they are actually involved. Yeah, right? Yeah, dude, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's still a lot of question marks. I think the only one that's set in stone is probably Tecatito and, and obviously Lozano in the Europa League. But but yeah, no, it'd be good to see Eric Gutierrez come back as well. I think he's almost become a kind of forgotten forgotten figure, really. And, and he did play quite a few games under Tata when he, when he was fit. So um, he's a player that we can't, you know, we talk about Cordoba, we talk about Charlie Rodriguez, you know. In terms of that kind of interior midfield role, and and we kind of we forget about Eric Gutierrez. So so hopefully we see him, we see him really soon, and he can stamp his authority on 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 PSV and the Dutch league because it's uh, something that he's he's kind of not not being able to do so far. And what about and Omar Govea getting a goal and assist for Zult Warajem? I still don't know how to pronounce it. So now we're gonna do a forty minute deep dive on Omar <laughs> Govea. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, in Belgian quick, pronunciation. In Belgian pronunciation. <laughs> uh, but actually, I got to give him a quick shout out for getting that goal and assist. And uh, hopefully he continues to to play well so uh, he could potentially get a call up uh, uh, next year for old three. But um, we got about 10 to 15 minutes here left before the hour mark. Uh, we got to talk about Efrain Alvarez and uh, Julian Araujo um, getting the call up to the U.S. men's national team. Tom, your, your thoughts on this? Because I feel like... I know there are a lot of fans who are freaking out. I know there are a lot of fans, especially with Efrain Alvarez, because obviously Julian Araujo was more involved with the U.S. You know, with the U.S. side, and there are no guarantees he would eventually switch over to Mexico. But with Efrain, I mean, he was just one of the more exciting up and comers. You know, is he is he truly just testing the waters? You know, not officially making a switch just yet, just seeing what could potentially happen, maybe just training, not actually playing with the U.S. men's national team, and then likely going back to playing with Mexico 
next year? Or is this something that Mexico fans should actually be worried about? Mexico fans should be worried. Yeah, 100%. Thank you, Tom. Uh, um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> good night. <laughs> good night. That's it for me. Hope you have a good one. Enjoy the league your games. No, but um, no, no, yeah, no. They should be should be worried because you know, um, you know, don't want to go. Can't go too too much into it. But Mexico knew nothing about it. You know, Mexico knew nothing, and I think the, there's a concern there. And um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of work behind the scenes now to kind of to get in contact with him and kind of work and ask what's gone on, uh, because uh, Efrain Alvarez was in the U20 squad, and apparently all reports, you know, from what from I was hearing, he he, he did well. Um, you know, he he came back, he he got a good, a good review. Um, you know, he's still on the path with Mexico, so so it is a concern. But I also agree with what you you're saying there, Cesar, as well, that, you know, it's not the end of the road. And, and you know, I, I got in contact with FIFA and I asked him a few days ago whether Efrain had, had asked for uh, asked for a switch and, you know, they've not received anything. And right. so, you know, when he, if, he, if he had made that switch, then it's game over for Mexico because as soon as that switch goes through, he's, he's, he'll never play for Mexico again. So, um, and, and also the statement from the US, US Soccer Federation it, it said that Efrain Alvarez isn't going to be available for the friendly game because of FIFA rulings. Now that tells me that he's not he's not thinking about making the switch in these few days. I mean, it would be very tight, anyways, to kind of to rush something through. But um, but it tells me that he's not you know he's not interested right now in making that switch. He's basically going seeing what's what's happening. You know, he'll be he'll be being pushed and pulled in every direction. You know, the agent will have something to say. You know, obviously the Mexican Federation will have things to say. U.S. Soccer will be on his you know. You know, calling him up, promising not necessarily promising, but kind of selling him the idea. You know, playing with Pulisic, with playing with that Reina, playing with you know Dest and and uh, Tyler Adams, and you know, for a young kid like Efrain Alvarez, if you if you you can see how they'd paint it in a way where, look, if you're with us, come 2026, you're going to be in a good place. And I yeah. think Efrain Alvarez is basically with this decision, he's basically saying, look. I'm not 100% with Mexico. I mean, people can judge it or, or whatever, but um, he's not 100% with Mexico. I mean, think that's the that's the reality. Um, you know, I think the Mexican Federation are concerned about it, and I think that um, you know. But at the same time, you know, if I was Efrain Alvarez's agent, you know, obviously looking after his career, looking after his finances, looking after his future, I'd probably probably do the same. You know, yeah. if you take the emotional side of it out. It's like I think they went out. Galaxy went out of the playoffs on what November? Or they didn't even make the playoffs. So I think his yeah. last game was like early November, and then it's like you're not going to have a proper game possibly until like very late February, early March. And so, so what do you what what's he supposed to do all that time? Um, and then oh, the US getting contact, you know, bringing in these players for the US camp. Your friend, you know, Julian Araujo is going to be there. You know, you you know. It's like there's going to be quite a few young players just come and have a see. Nothing, no strings attached. Just come and have a see if you like the way we work, the atmosphere and stuff like that. So um, I think that's that's how we're seeing it. Um, what I don't know is that how much he's putting pressure on Mexico that he doesn't want to be in the under-20 squad, that he wants to be in the under-23s or even the full first team. Um, yeah. You know, because I don't know. I don't know. I mean, 
I'd, I'd done I did a big story in Efrain as well, and I spoke to people close to him, and it wouldn't have surprised me because I think some of the people close to him uh, do have that idea that he is very far along, and 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 he isn't necessarily there yet. I mean, you know, if he's asking to be in the Mexican under twenty threes, um, then I could I could make an argument that he's just he's not ready. And I think that's the that's the position of the Mexican Federation as well. If you look at the the latest under twenty three squad with Mexico, I mean, who are you going to take out to put to put him in? Right. Um, right. I'm not saying he's a long way away, but right now he's he's where he is. He's the under twenties level, and it's like Tata Martino said. The, I think last month he said, you know, there's no need to rush Efrain Alvarez into the first team. He is where he is. He's going to develop, and he's going to be a good player for Mexico now. Um, you know, if the US comes in and, and says we'll bring you into the first team with the first team squad, even though it's an MLS one, then, you know, it does turn your head. And I think that's, that's basically what's happened. And yeah, I mean, this is the, this is the reality of, of dual nationals. And it's, it's something that, yeah, I don't know. We just have to learn to live with, I think. Oh, well. <laughs> I think that, that might, I think, I think, yeah, it was, was uh, I'm trying to figure out what's, what street vendor that was for Adriana. Um, Come on this. Oh, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I told you he was only minutes away from showing up. <laughs> <laughs> but other than your your thoughts is because I mean, for me, like as a Mexican American and someone who's also a huge fan of the Mexican national team, clearly, if you haven't been following my work within the last five or six years, <laughs> this is the first if, time you actually hear if this. If this is yeah, if this if this surprise to you, then that's also surprised to me. But uh, I mean, I get it. I get it. Like he's he's watching out for his career. Like he's looking for an opportunity here. I. If I were in his shoes, would I do the same? Potentially, you know, just to see, you know, what my option would would be as a player. But your your thoughts on the situation, because it is difficult, like Tom was saying, just because, like, I know I'm just looking at Mexico's options, even at the U23 level, like he mentioned. I mean, I mean, just really quickly, I mean, you have, like, Tecatito, you have Antuna, you have Roberto Alvarado, you have uh, Angulo, you know, you have, you know, Diego Lainez, you have Chucky, you have Pizarro, you have potentially Vega, you have Martin. It's like, it's... It, he's he's pretty far down the the depth chart right now when, when it comes to Mexico. So maybe he's being a little impatient if he does want to have more, you know, significance with the Mexican national team, or maybe yeah, he's just I, I was testing what, about you know. that. Yeah, it, it seems as though it's. I mean, I think like yeah, just taking away any emotion out of the entire decision. I mean, obviously we want him to play for Mexico. He has played for Mexico. We want to we want to see him stay that way. But I mean, it would be. Um, I don't want. I'm, I'm guessing it's, it would be kind of dumb just to limit his options. I mean, you really don't know what he's living, what he's looking up into. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, he's not. He's still not committing to anything. He could still right. make the change or not. So, just looking into and see how much they'll consider him, what they can offer him as a team. I, I think that's that's just keeping his options open. And I think that's 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 fair enough. So, I mean, I, I kind of like the like whenever the federation gets this kind of pressure because it just forces them to make sure that they're treating players well, that they're actually looking into bringing players whenever they can. Right. I mean, I know for the U20s, they wanted to bring in Marcelo Flores and they couldn't because Arsenal wouldn't let him just make the trip to just be here and practice and everything. Um, and even the coach said so. I mean, sometimes you just have to consider how long the trip is and they'll be away for a couple of days once when they get here. and. It's just sometimes not even worth it. You're just going to make them just get be tired and go back to their teams and not be totally fit, and then they won't want to come back and stuff like that. So, I mean, for for Alvarez, I think yeah, let's let's see what 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 the U.S. is up to, what they can offer him. They're also calling up Julian Araujo, who we've heard Tata Martino was looking into as well. 
Um, I think he has actually been called up by the U.S. before, uh, not by Mexico. So again, I mean, let, let, let's see what, what they can offer them. And hopefully the Federation will just be that much more concerned about making sure that whatever players they are looking into for the future, they're, they're making that communication be a lot clearer and just be like, it's not that we don't want you for the senior team. It's just that, yeah, right now it's just, it's looking a little bit more difficult. You're going to be have tougher competition. And we just think it's better for you if you're for the U23 or the U20. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think it's something that, I mean, we should be entirely worried about, but yeah, just make sure you make the best out of the situation. Yeah. No, and actually, I mean, I think we should start wrapping up soon, but I think it was Amy who brought it up uh, on the group chat. I mean, maybe the, the bigger worry here is actually you know, Julian Araujo. I mean, yes, he is still you know committed to the to the U.S. men's national team, the U.S. youth national, whatever you want to call it. But when I'm looking at the depth chart for Mexico, when I'm looking at in the, in the wings, I'm not too worried. But at right back, that's when I begin to think, all right, that's that's actually a position where you can have We're someone struggling. like Araujo. Yeah, where you can you can definitely have someone like Araujo like really start to potentially get even. I wouldn't be surprised if he were to switch over to Mexico. That if you were to make that if you were to make a debut for the senior team, you know, next year, you know, just because that I mean, we've talked about beforehand. I mean, Tom, I mean, it's I mean, Shaka, he's not my favorite option, but he's but he's getting a little bit older. You have question marks, question marks over Jorge Sanchez. Layun's obviously, you know, you know, past his prime. You're not entirely sure about Mosul. Navarro doesn't seem to be in the picture for, for Tata. After that, it's just a bunch of young guys that you're unsure about so if if Araujo were to make the switch I mean he would actually be potentially in the mix yeah definitely um I think you know I do think Efrain Alvarez can be a special player as well I mean true, he's true. still so young he's still he's, he's one of those players that he, he has an x factor about him is what Zlatan Ibrahimovic picked up on you can see it in his play he needs he needs more consistency he needs to you know, he's improved his defensive side. He needs to keep going with it. Um, the stuff that I get from Julian Araujo is that he's an absolute beast. You know, that, that in actually in Galaxy, sometimes they have to tell him to chill out because he's just hundred. He just works so hard and he just goes at it so hard. So um, I agree. I, I don't know. I've heard mixed things about Araujo. I've heard that on one side that he's not. He's been called into Mexico before. Mexico have consistently been really? trying to get him in there. And he's he's just not he's not being able to get it. But then I've heard on the other side that he doesn't have his passport yet. And then the I've heard countering that 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 doesn't it's not actually the issue or that's not an issue. Um, and so so I don't know. But the thing is, this is the thing as well. Um, he's he's in the opposite situation to Efrain Alvarez. In the Efrain Alvarez, he's basically got a free pass right now with this camp. Because he's going there and he's not going to play, and he's still with Mexico. You know what I mean? So he's not—he doesn't have to change sides right right now to go up and train with them. You know what I mean? And and Araujo wouldn't have to change sides to come down and train with Mexico. But it is, you know, considering it, you know, Mexico most likely to train in FIFA dates where you're actually playing proper games. Then to play a proper game with Mexico, Araujo is going to have to file the switch. Now he's got to be 100 percent sure that, that that's what he wants to do and I think with the new FIFA rules players can, there's a bit more leeway so they can play three three full internationals um, and, and then and then I think if they don't play for another year and then, oh, I can't remember how long the time is but they can, they can switch after that whereas before it was like you played one minute of one game in a full international and you were cap tied so there is a little bit more leeway so I'm not sure with Araujo if that's one of the issues just kind of like, I need to you know he needs to be hundred, 
twenty percent sure he wants to play with Mexico if he's gonna if he's gonna file that switch. So um, he, he just I think with Araujo it just it's not the right time right now for him. Um, so that doesn't really surprise me. But you know Frankie Amaya as well as in that squad, he's yeah. a good player. He was a top draft in in MLS I think in two thousand nineteen. Um, he's you know I don't think he's had. An amazing, amazing season because Cincinnati's not been playing well and they play really defensive football. But and he's kind of you know he's got a bit more than that in his locker, I think. Um, but you know he's another kid who's what 19, 20 years old and and a dual national. And I think he's come out before and and you know he, he clearly likes Mexico. He speaks Spanish, um, so he's another guy you you know ideally if you're Mexico you'd you'd have him kind of in the mix. I mean I think. You know how many how many players in Liga MX, how many Mexicans in Liga MX are age nineteen, twenty, and starting? Um, and so, you know, I don't know. The bottom line is the Mexican national team, the the federation has to be absolutely on top of these dual nationals, and more than anything. And I think um, I don't know enough about how they're doing it right now. Um, but one of the themes I've found in Mexican football from my time kind of down here is that often when when there's relationships with people from from abroad i don't know it's kind of like a cultural thing even the even if these guys are mexican-americans is the way the way you kind of interact the way you do things is is so different that i just hope that people the people that the mexican federation have got in place are kind of they're fully aware of that and they can bridge that cultural difference as well because at the end of the day these american kids have very different lives than the mexican kids the mexican kids are absolutely i'm not saying the mexican-american kids aren't but the Mexican kids are, you know, a lot let's, of the time... Let's, it's, let's, let's it's hear this Mexican-American slander. I'm here, Tom. Let's go for it. Right. <laughs> the, the Mexican kid is absolute... A lot of the time it's, you know, get out of poverty, that kind of classic story of, of the of the working-class soccer player. And, and I think in the States, there's 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 always seems to be other options as well. Um, and I think if you're playing in MLS and making a decent salary, then then your life's pretty, pretty nice, you know? Whereas if you're not, you know, you're playing for Atlas on the 20s, then you're not you're making peanuts. You're making a couple of hundred dollars, a few hundred dollars a month, even if you're a U20 international. So I think that's the that that's the difference. So you know, if Ryan Alvarez going to under 20s camp, he's making good money already in the Galaxy, and he'll be around kids who are making you know very very little. Um, and and I think sometimes, you know, culturally it's 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 different and you and you know you need to know how to approach those guys because i don't know you you know very well says i mean it's there is a big difference between you know although both the both national mexican nationals you know you know mexican born and raised in say mexico city or or elsewhere and a mexican american mexican national just as much but raised in la you know it's a, it's it's quite a in certain certain circumstances it's quite a big difference Oh yeah, just take a look at me and my dad. Uh, <laughs> a man born from Guadalajara, me born at we are we are quite different. But uh, but he did he did at very least uh, you know bestow this uh, love for soccer. So at the very least, that's something you know. Obviously, we have a con, but obviously, yeah, that's something that'll be really really fascinating to uh, just to continue to follow. Just like you know how uh, you know the push and pull of dual nationals, you know, for for Mexican American kids, you know, potentially playing for the U.S. for Mexico and. You know, it's going to be interesting because this is this is going to be the last time we're going to hear about players like these. It's going to continue to happen, you know, for years and years and years. It's going to be interesting just to see uh, the dynamic between those two national teams. But uh, I think that uh, that about uh, wraps it up for us. We're a little over the hour mark. Um, thank you to Tom. Thank you to Adriana. Uh, thank you to Amy for uploading these episodes. Uh, if you want to connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at the Mexican Soccer Show and on Instagram at the Mexican Soccer Show. 
Thanks once again. And until next time, we'll see you in the next episode. See you guys around.